And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast on a gorgeous Friday, the last Friday before real NBA games begin, NBA games that count in the standings. And I have never, it's been a long time. I don't want to say never. It's been a long time since I've been this excited for real NBA basketball to come back. We had a real offseason. We have had a scandal-ridden September and October. We can finally start to unwrap the presence of what these teams look like after an offseason of change. It's time to have a real sicko on the podcast like me, a sicko who is going to be mad about where the Indiana Pacers ranked in my league pass rankings as if I make the decisions. The algorithm makes the decisions. I am just the passive recipient recipient of the algorithm's wisdom. I needed a sicko to yell at me about that stuff, debate me about who's going to be fun to watch and crappy to watch and who's going to win all the awards and who's going to win the championship. And the sickest of sickos is here. Such a sicko that in the background is a Milwaukee Brewers jersey of a player that I had completely forgotten about from the 1980s. John Hollinger, the greatest to ever do it at The Athletic. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks thanks for having me on the show, fellow sicko. Uh, this will be fun. I'm excited because I get I I finally get to be the comments section. You see, you you poured all your hard work, all your blood, sweat, and tears into these league pass rankings, right? You you know you you racked your brain, you know, thought of every angle, and now I just come in and just crap on it. You know, I'm excited to have you because you're one of I think there might be eight of us on earth and even including Indiana Pacers fans who are excited to watch Terry Taylor play basketball this year and who know who Terry Taylor is and why he's exciting to watch play basketball. But yes, I do pour my heart and soul into the league pass rankings. I was actually quite proud of them this year. I, 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 I thought that I, I don't know why I thought I, I did a good job on them. My favorite guy, you can be this guy if you want. My favorite guy is, in the comments section, which we don't even have, I don't think, is the guy who's like, oh, Kings are 20th. The whole list is invalid. I'm not reading anything else. Kings are 20th. That's all I need to know. I'm like, dude, it's just a league pass rankings, man. You can read, you can read enough. You don't have to be so mad about this one thing that and that it renders the entire thing invalid. So you, you, you've you read them. You saw the rankings. Um, you can go any direction you want. Where did you strongly disagree with me? And for people who do not subscribe to ESPN Plus, um, we will reveal some of the results along the way. But the Nets have three-peated as League Pass rankings champions. And that has been, as you know, John, uh, a harbinger of great success for the, for the Brooklyn <laughs> Nets in the Kevin Durant-Kyrie Irving era. So you take the floor. Well, the first thing I want to say is, so you used uh, an algorithm, right, to to create this list, and and you say the, you know, you just you just follow the algorithm, right? It's all it's all I can do. So my first hot take in the comments section: analytics is ruining basketball, Zach. That's that's been the case for twenty years, and you know, some bald guy, some bald guy who worked for a team for a bit is partially responsible for that. Yeah, so Bill Simmons and I created. Well, I, I would say he discovered. I make a joke every year in the column different ways that Bill discovered an algorithm. This year, the algorithm washed up on the shores of Malibu in a glass bottle in, uh, written on parchment paper. So the algorithm was discovered by Bill, and we merely, uh, we merely do what the algorithm tells us to do. Okay, okay. Well, the algorithm decided 
it did it didn't just decide that the Indiana Pacers were relatively uninteresting. It decided that the Oklahoma City Thunder and San Antonio Spurs were more interesting, right? It it did and and uh, I you know, as you're saying those words out loud, even with, with it, given Chet Holmgren's in, injury in particular, I, that doesn't make sense to me. Except, I th- so the algorithm is there's a there's a category called zeitgeist that the mm-hmm. algorithm made up, and it just sort of measures the um, do normal people have any interest in this team? If you go to a party and you're having a drink. If we can still do this anymore in the in a pandemic, I'm gonna drink with someone. Like, yeah, I really want to talk about Terry Taylor. Is the person gonna be like, this dude is a weirdo? I need to go to the need to go over to the other side of the room. Whereas if you go to a party and you're like, hey man, can you believe the Spurs are tanking? Like the last time they tanked, they got Tim Duncan. There's a chance that someone is gonna have the, that second conversation. I don't. The Thunder, I don't have any explanation for. Here, here's the thing, though. If you go to the right party in one corner, all right, there's all the kids who are like wearing black turtlenecks and listen to different music and stuff, right? And they're like way into Terry Taylor and the Indiana Pacers. Look, the Pacers have, I I think everyone's just assuming they will trade all their good players, all their veteran good players, namely the Miles Turner and Buddy Heald. Turner and Heald, certainly. That's being. TJ McConnell, although TJ McConnell, now he's got some league pass equity just on his own, right? He does. And as I wrote in the column, he has to be absolutely furious that Jose Alvarado came along and stole TJ McConnell's thunder as the preeminent cat burglar on backcourt steals, where he literally crouches in the corner and sneaks up behind and gets inbounds passes or steals it from people bringing the ball up. TJ McConnell was the king of the inbounds pass. No one even got the ball. He would just steal the inbounds pass. Uh, and Halliburton, Tyrese Halliburton, I, I, I'm, I have a little thing on him coming out next week. I don't want to spoil it too much. But you nailed it in your Pacers preview, which is, um, which is up today. Um, the, the guy is just a passing genius. In any defensive coverage where you put two on the ball, he is going to pick it apart with yeah. – with two steps ahead brilliance. The question is, the interesting one for the Pacers is, as you pointed out very, very saliently, is he's going to face all kinds of defenses this year because he's the number one option by far, including switches. And does he have either the speed or like the step back hesitation dribble, step back three craft to beat switches? But he's like, I mean, he's going to be a 2010 guy this season, right? I mean, he, I don't know what the yeah. odds are on him leading the league in assists, but they've, it's got to be pretty high, probably pretty low, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, I mean, he's a big reason to watch, even though they will shut him down with some vague injury on February 17th. Um, but so, so my main argument, though, is you can't put a team with the rookie of the year 29th. Oh! Like Benedict Matherin is good, Okay. He, he's a year older than these other guys who came out, so they may catch him in whatever. But he was the they picked him sixth, I think. Sixth. Uh, he was the best rookie in summer league. He's been the best rookie in preseason. Like, I, if you're setting odds on rookie of the year, like, why wouldn't it be him? Um, I, I think he's he's just plug and play, ready to go, starting wing in the NBA, like right now. Yeah, they do. You know, between Halliburton, Heald, Matherin, Duarte. They're bring. I mean, Halliburton's obviously going to start. One of those last three guys is coming off the bench. Could be healed. Could be Matherin. Could could be any of them. I w- I'm with yeah. you. You just got to start Matherin. He's he's the, he's the second most important piece in your future. 
Are you, so are you coming out right now, John Hollinger? You're predicting this wasn't even going to be the, one of the awards that called we, shot that we called shot. You're you're calling it yep. Matherin Rookie of the Year over Bancaro yep. over whoever else is you know odds odds are good. Calling my shot. I like it. I mean, why can't he? If he starts and they eventually wither away the talent, why can't he average like seventeen and four? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, after especially after after the All Star break when they shut everyone else down, they'll probably keep him going, put the ball in his hands more. Yeah, could it could put up some big numbers. You know, this is what everyone came for in deep Indiana Pacers talk. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm I apologize about what I'm doing to the ratings for your show. No, this is like, this is fine because all the Pacers fans are going to spend all year saying no one's talking about it. no. We right now <laughs> at, are talking about you for the first eight minutes of a national ESPN podcast. Okay, give me a couple of. It's like it's like the what when they give the one national TV game between Orlando and Houston just to say like, look, we covered it, like we did it. Yeah, that's a that's one where we got to break out some bells and whistles. Like we got to do the 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 second spectrum alternate broadcast with funky <laughs> sound effects and and stuff like that. Van Gundy Van Gundy should like wear a toupee and do play by play. I I don't know. They we we got to do something. Um, Different for that one. Give me a couple others where you really disagreed vehemently, uh, either on the high end or the low end with my with my league pass rankings or the algorithms league pass rankings. You know what? I I'm not going to say this is a vehement disagreement, but I actually thought New Orleans could have been even higher because basically everyone on that roster is interesting, and the the accumulation of everyone and how it all fits is interesting. And the whole question of like, are they somehow going to start the year five and 16 again? Like they always do, even though they look to have all this talent, like that part is interesting. Like who, who is the, who is the boring guy on new Orleans right now? Who, who, who comes into the game and you're like, eh, uh, maybe I'll, you know, maybe I'll change over to the Pacers game now. Well, like, n- who, n- nobody, nobody on that. I mean, they could play, four guys well that would make them more excited i'm not flipping to any pacers game over the pelicans i guess the most boring guy i mean even Jonas valanciunas is is fun to watch oh he's oh yeah totally yeah i mean obviously i'm biased here well yeah but he's gonna like run people over flex and roar his three-point pump fake takes nine seconds and no one quite knows what to make of it and it's just the whole thing is delightful larry nance i guess if you're just sort of a casual channel flipping fan larry nance dribble handoffs and flare screens are not going to light your world on fires maybe it's him but for me i so the pelicans came fifth and the top five in order were one brooklyn two golden state three memphis four denver that's a tough top five i mean really like you could but but i'm with you like zion is we're all we have we're on zion withdrawal like i can't wait to watch this guy i can't wait to watch how he fits in and you're high on them, right? I believe you and I are both on the high end of Pelicans' expectations. I had them 48 wins, six seed. Yeah. Um, so it's interested to see how this all fits together. You know, are they going to defend? Do they have any three-point shooting? Uh, or will it matter? Will they just, you know, score 80 points see, in the paint see, every game and it just won't matter? From an entertainment perspective, I don't care about any of those questions. I don't care. Okay. Yes, they will need to defend and shoot threes to win 48 games. For me to watch them, I don't even care if they shoot any threes. More power to them if they play no defense. It'll be even more fun to watch. Although they need to get some fast breaks. That's where defense will help is we need to get Zion in the open court. 
and just people um, coming near him and then bouncing off of him in all directions at the same time. Um, so you had Pelicans sixth, which means I believe uh, the team among the sort of top seven slash eight in the West that you had in the play-in is Dallas, right? Dallas was in I the play-in. Da- I had Dallas and Minnesota in the play-in. Dallas and Minnesota. Ooh. New Orleans? I mean, there's eight, there's eight good teams. That I'm really excited for this year in general because there's eight good teams, really, I feel like, in both conferences. Um, and it's pretty tight between one and eight in both of them. Yeah, if you're high on the Pelicans as we are, there are eight good teams in both conferences and in both, at, at least. And that's sort of just assuming, not assuming, that's sort of uh, closing off the possibility of like maybe the Lakers actually do something. Maybe the Knicks have like Portland. a, a yeah. Thibodeau year. Yeah. Maybe Portland's better than we all think. But at the floor, there are eight teams, if you include New Orleans as we do, where if yeah. you told their fans or their front office people or their coaches, hey, man, I'm sorry, I got you in, in the play-in, they would be like, well, some of them anyway. Some of them would be like, good, I don't want any expectations for my team. That's great. Please, please, <laughs> please like send yeah. that to my owner so I don't get fired if we make the play-in. But a lot of them would be like, well, that's offensive. How could you possibly have that? And it's like, well, just yeah. go. There's there's only six spots. So uh, Minis- New Orleans over Minnesota is a bold call. I think Minnesota is going to win a ton of regular season games. Your, your argument, I think, in reading your column was essentially – there are just a lot of moving parts this year, and it's going to take this. This is a 2024 team more than a 2023 yeah. team, right? Can you elaborate yeah. on that a bit? Yeah, I mean, I think they got to figure out the Towns Gobert pairing. I think Anthony Edwards is still coming into his own, um, and you know, I think there's a little danger of projecting a little too far ahead with that. I think the bench right now is not very good, except for uh, slow mo, of course, um, which adds to the, adds to their league pass rating significantly. Love slow mo, uh, also. Um, so I, I just think there's still stuff there. They have to, they have to work out and figure out And last, I mean, they won 46 last year. So I'm saying, you know, people are like, Oh, you're just going 46 to 47, but they had a lot of things go right for them to get to 46 last year that don't, that don't necessarily automatically carry into the next season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, would I be shocked if they ended up winning the fifties? No, but I, 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 I just think there are some things there they got to figure out with the partnership and how it works with Towns and Gobert and what do they look like in fourth quarters and whatnot, and it's going to take a minute. Yeah, we're, we slightly disagree on Minnesota. I'm higher on them than that, and I'm less worried about them figuring it out. But you're right that the West is obviously more loaded than it was last year. Um, I'm also less worried about the bench because they can stagger those four guys. You know, If you include Russell as, as a guy still, they can stagger enough talent that they – Shouldn't have much of a problem. But slow-mo, here's the sales pitch on slow-mo. Kyle Anderson is so slow Mm -hmm. that his slowness almost effectively makes him fast. Because (laughs) when defenders defenders know, okay, Kyle Anderson has the ball, he's dribbling to his right, they slide to to their left, his right, faster than he moves – and so they, yeah. in effect, are out of position, and then he can go back the other way because the euros right around him exactly because exactly. because he's so slow. They just it's <laughs> it, the defenders defending the NBA speed are just all out of whack and ahead of him. Who else is on their bench? Like Nas Reed, we assume now is a deep bench guy who won't play. Torian Prince will play. 
Jordan McLaughlin yeah. will play. Jalen Noel. Yeah, I think they have enough. I'm not that worried about it. They were they were the Wolves came I think ninth in my uh, in the league pass in the league pass ranking. So who would you put New Orleans above then? If New Orleans is fifth, are they more watchable than Denver, Memphis, and John ja Morant? Even in the preseason, is like a, a f- show. And yeah. uh, Golden State and Brooklyn. Are you so Brooklyn is just maybe you just don't want to watch Brooklyn. You're just sick of it. Brooklyn's out. <laughs> No, I I actually think New Orleans is a lot more watchable than Denver. I Whoa. I was surprised you had Denver fourth. Whoa, I, I, I really am. So Denver, Denver, Denver is basically one reason, one guy, right? You will watch the most brilliant passes you've ever seen in your life, right? With with Jokic, but there's there's, I mean, there's just not a lot lot else there as far as like league pass watchability, right? Like. Jamal Murray I mean, I coming back doesn't doesn't do anything yeah, for you. I mean, you know that's fine. Yeah. Bones Highland just cooking cooking people. <laughs> people the Bones Highland train, and I like Bones Highland. It's it's getting a little off the rails. Like Bones Highland six man of the year pick. Bones Highland like totally fine. Oh, I I miss that really. Uh, uh, he's like his odds for six man of the year are like fourth or fifth in the league, and he's like everyone's sort of sneaky. Oh, keep it like this guy could win. I'm like I like Bones just fine. I just second year guy, kind of a chucker, although in a way that I like because he's a creative passer yeah. too. Is now going to be uh, promoted to a pretty heavy burden offensively, especially considering Michael Malone often does not stagger his starters at all in the regular season. I just, yeah. I'm just i not just going to assume he lights the world on fire. But Denver is just Jokic, man. I, to people, when people ask me why Jokic is so fun to watch, I say every game there are four plays where I just start laughing to myself uncontrollably because the pass he throws is so ridiculous that it's just yeah. hilarious. Yeah. I And... I, I I agree with that. I just the totality of like ugh, I I'm much more fired up about seeing like a, a Pelicans game or um, even maybe even you know one of these two one or two of these teams you had you had uh, lower than that uh, you know like because Milwaukee's like the same thing with Giannis right right like you'll see something you've never seen before um, and you had them seventh seventh which I think is like probably. Appropriate. Yeah, that- you know, you know, you know who you had. Okay, um, I was surprised that you had the Celtics ahead of the Lakers. Actually, the Lakers were ninth. The Celtics were sixth. Uh, I mean, okay, so, so, uh, sell me on the Lakers were second last year and have fallen to ninth. I don't find either team, frankly that amazing to watch despite the talent that we all know is there individually they both destroy the art categories of the algorithm the courts the jerseys they're they're all just top notch in that uh and the lakers destroyed bill's favorite category which is the unintentional comedy category as we're already seeing with russell westbrook not joining huddles then have to explain afterwards oh it's not something i want to do pat beverly waving him over like they just break that category but sell me a you're, so you're excited to watch the Los, the 2023 Los Angeles Lakers. You're excited to watch Lonnie Walker go coast to coast one on four while LeBron rolls his eyes like this dude is doing this man. Like, have I broken the scoring record yet? You're excited to watch this team for those exact reasons. Yes, I mean the, the so the, because there's this combination of 
tremendous talent, right? I mean, because you have LeBron and AD, and they're going to do brilliant things on the right night. Um, you have – they're not abjectly awful around them the way they were last year, right? So you're actually watching like halfway decent players now. Like, it, you know, when Austin Reeves and Kendrick Nunn come in, you're not watching like Trevor Reese and Carmelo Anthony, you know, play washed-up versions of themselves. Um, so I, I think it's more watchable – that way, like I, I, the team might actually be half halfway decent to good this year, and it, but there's still like the whole Westbrook angle sitting out there at the same time. So, so there's just a lot, a lot to unpack every time you watch them. Whereas, like Boston's going to be good, and their top seven guys are really good, and we kind of know what they are, and they're not. Like they're good. They're not the most. They're not the most. um... Jalen Brown will do some cool stuff. I mean, that that there is that. But otherwise, it's like, you know, can can Sam Hauser be the ninth man? Like, you know. And the lingering image of their offense is like a a lot of interesting individual talent that does not always add up to more than the sum of its parts, both in production and style. Although they were the best offense in the NBA for the last fifty games of the season last year. the Lakers, I, I guess I am just scarred from an entertainment perspective from last season thinking what an interesting basketball puzzle this is of fitting the most ball-dominant player in modern NBA history, arguably him or Harden, with mm-hmm. maybe the greatest player with the ball of all time in NBA history and Anthony Davis and then the center question and boy the jigsaw puzzle of all that and it sounded so interesting and within five games you were like oh this team is just like boring and ugly and unwatchable and not that interesting at all so I I guess I'm just I guess I'm just scarred from that I would say the most controversial selection of the entire rankings was either Orlando residual Orlando fatigue ranking them 25th and they're gonna blow that away I think uh, just based on preseason and just Franz Wagner Bancaro buzz yeah Sacramento at 21 uh drove a lot of Kings fans mad because the idea of Fox fast break spread pick and roll him and Sabonis two-man game is really fun I just Keegan Murray is interesting was either him or Matherin were the best rookies at summer league he fits right in For some reason, I'm not that that stoked. I mean, I'm stoked to watch all these teams. All these teams are really watchable. Like, it's not like I'm not going to watch. I'm, yeah. we're, we're sickos. I'm going to watch a million games of all these teams. Something leaves me a little cold about the Kings, and I don't know why. I'm actually a little more interested in the Kings this year. Um, I think they could be really good offensively. If they play, like you say, spread, prick, and roll, like they got a lot of shooting around those guys, too. When you look at Herter, Monk, Barnes, Murray... Um, you know, plus because it's the Kings, there's like this, you know, you talk about the unintentional comedy category, you know, you know, that's going to crop up at some point, right? Like something, something just totally bad will happen at some point where you're just like, I don't understand what's happening. The example I used in the column, what I said was you never know when the Kangs will come out in a Kings game, when the hashtag Kangs will come out in a Kings game, was when Vivek Ranadive, who is just a walking home run in the unintentional comedy category, 
sat yes. courtside between Vlade Divac, who he had fired like a year earlier, and Monty McNair, who he had hired to replace Vlade Divac. And Vlade had not been seen with the team. And all of a sudden, he's talking with the owner. And like Monty McNair is just kind of awkwardly on his phone while his predecessor <laughs> talks with his boss. And it's like because it's the Kings and they always have this opaque power structure of like, What's yeah. Wes Wilcox doing there? Wait, Joe Dumars is yeah. around. Which ex-king yeah. from the glory days is now making decisions? And and which and they are the they are the no pun intended kings of hiring the coach before the GM because they fire the GM all the time. There's just always craziness. Yeah. You just never know when it's going to come out. Exactly, and th- I mean that's definitely in play this year. I mean, as you say, there's a lot of talk about the. The power structure there and who's really in charge and who will be in charge a year from now and where Mike Brown fits into all that. Like their offseason was like all Mike Brown guys. So, you know, there's there's that whole thing, too. I mean, it could be Heydu Turkoglu could be could be running the team next year. Like you just don't you don't know. You don't know who who it's going to be. Lawrence Funderburk. I always liked Lawrence Funderburk. I like that Ohio State team with Lawrence Funderburk. That is a (laughs) deep, deep cut. Lawrence Funderburk. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. You ready to do some predictions? Yeah, let's do it. Unless there was other league pass rankings thoughts that you wanted to get to. Is there is there a team? How about this? Is there a team like a we all know who the big teams are, the contenders, right? Like we and we 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 all know those teams. We're all excited to watch them. Who's your like under the radar? Like, it doesn't even matter if they're a good team, but you're excited to watch them for some bizarre reason that you... Oh, Indi- Indiana was totally my that team was it. for this okay. year. That's why I was so offended that you put them 29th. I took I took Umbridge, Zach. Umbridge. Umbridge. That's, it's, look, it's, it's, it's a, it's a heavy burden to wear, the league pass rankings. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of, it's a lot of negative feedback comes my way, uh, the week after those are released. Okay, predictions. Um, and I looked at Ve- I looked at Vegas odds for some of these just for fun. Okay. Um, uh, the 2023 NBA Most Valuable Player. Who is your pick? Joel Embiid. Explain. Uh, I think Philadelphia is going to be good. I picked them to win the championship, so obviously that's you know plays into it. Uh, he's finished second the last two years. I think if it's close, there's going to be a lot of groundswell to give it to him. Uh, and I think he's really good at basketball too like i you know he had a year last year that in any other year would have won him the mvp so uh i i think there's going to be a lot of momentum for him to win it i think he's going to have a good enough year to win it so i'm going to say md 
Embiid is also my pick to win the MVP. Um, the Vegas odds uh, have, since the beginning of the offseason, pegged Luka Doncic as the favorite, as I believe they did entering last season. Then there is a small gap to Embiid, and in some in some houses, Embiid and Giannis are kind of together as two and three. Then there's a small gap between them and Durant, Jokic generally come next. And then after that, there's a gap to Steph, Tatum, Morant, sometimes Zion. And then there's a huge gap to the next group of players who we'll talk about. Luka, I just don't think Dallas is winning enough games. And having said that, yeah. I'm interested in what you think about that because I know you have them in the play-in. Having said that, the tide beginning with Westbrook and continuing with Jokic last season has turned, I think, in what is a smart and healthy direction that MVP is no longer just a wins and standings award. Jokic won it from sixth spot last year. And yeah. and so I, I I say Luka won't win – his team won't win enough games, but we've seen evidence that 48 wins can get you it. But is is the play-in now the line? Is that, is that effectively where the line is going to be for the wins-oriented voters? Like you just can't win with if you're the seventh seed? Uh, that I think it's going to be harder from down there, unless it's one of those, you know, whack years in the West where like, you know, you win 51 games and you're the eighth seed. Which is something. totally, which is, I mean, totally one's a lot, but like yeah. there could be years like this year, the gap between six and seven could be tied at 48 wins. Right. And so yeah. are like, are we really making decisions based on a tiebreaker in that case? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think Dallas, especially if they, hit or exceed last year's win total, I think Luka's going to have a, a really good chance to win MVP. I just don't think they're going to hit or exceed last year's win total. Jokic will will just, he has reached a terrible... Jokic fatigue. Jokic, Jokic fatigue. fatigue. and he would, he would have to completely lap the field to win this year. Giannis has, is going to have a real case. I agree with you, though. Philly, yeah. Philly could be the number one seed in the East. He's by far the best player on the team now. And there is going to be a sort of groundswell of has this guy been wronged once or twice now in the voting? Can I give you a medium shot and a ultra long shot that if I were allowed to bet, I would be, I would be interested in. Okay. The, are, you, are you saying you're, you're going to give me one? Well, you, uh, you can, you can give me one if you want. You, I'm, I'm not totally prepared yet. I'll, I'll do first. it. I'll do it. The medium shot is Curry. Um, who's like sixth in most Vegas odds. And I don't quite, understand why that is coming off the championship the finals mvp this whole <clears throat> this uh, he is a two-time mvp but those are now pretty well in the rear view yeah. pre-durant um and this whole sort of groundswell of oh you know maybe steph curry is a top 10 all-time player maybe we've been underestimating steph curry this whole time or you blah 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 I, I'm a little surprised. Maybe it's just the assumption Golden State is going to coast in the regular season, but I was a little surprised he's so far, not so far, but he's like sixth or seventh on a lot of these lists. A little surprising given that, I don't know if you remember, 20 games into last season, it was like, well, Curry's running away with the MVP award, you know? And Draymond's and, running away with Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, yeah. So and, and they ended up winning the championship. There was just like this block in the middle where not much happened. Um, Curry actually had a bad regular season last year. Uh, so I think he could be better this year. I, it's, it's going to be tough to, uh, you know, we, we're kind of drawn to objects in motion. It's, it's going to be if like, if golden state's just the same team they were last year, it's going to be tough to make like the really strong case for Curry. 
So I, I think that's where he gets hurt. Let's 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 clarify bad. Bad by the immortal standards of Ward, oh, yeah, Wardell, yeah. Stephen Curry. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, let's let's be clear. But, Bad relative to the previous seven seasons of his career. Yes. But he did shoot, I think, I don't have it right in front of me, but it's like 44% overall, 53% on twos, 38% on threes, which for him are actually well below his averages. I think he's going to have, again, total raw scoring average is going to depend on how much they care about the regular season and how many minutes he plays, and I would expect the answers to be on the low side. I think... Shooting season is going to bounce back. I just said, I, I think there's going to be a monster Curry season. Um, my ultra, ultra long shot, and I can't believe how low he is to the point that he doesn't even show up sometimes on like the first 20 guys that are listed. Like it's that low. And I get why it's a games played skepticism issue. Jimmy Butler is like plus 5,000 or plus 7,500 in some books to win MVP. And I understand why he's not in that tier with the gods, the Lucas, the Embiid's, the Giannis's. He's the guy whose advanced stats always outpace his sort of raw traditional stats. But I like if he can get you 65 to 70 games, like which I think is now the MVP floor. Mm-hmm. He drives winning to such a degree they outpace expectations every year. He's by far the best player on the team. I, I just thought, like, for him to be below Trey Young and Damian Lillard, who are great players, but whose teams are not going to be in the stratosphere of the standings where the Heat were last year. Now, maybe the Heat won't be there again this year, but that's the one where I was like, oh my God, that's where Jimmy Butler is? Yeah, I guess. I guess I have a hard time still seeing him having enough of a year where he is like the guy who wins the MVP. Like, I don't know. It would have, it would have to be almost like one of those weird years where there's no one dominant player or like some of the best guys get hurt. You know, it's funny when you were talking about long shots and the games played and stuff, I thought you were going to say Kawhi Leonard. I just don't think he's ever going to play enough games. And, and I, and for him, not enough games is like I just I just like pencil in fifty five games. Just like yeah. even if he's healthy the whole year, back to backs, random. I just don't see him ever playing enough games. But I mean, look, he's Kawhi Leonard. I I voted him MVP once. I think he's a god of basketball. So I sure sell me on that. I mean, he's he's between Steph, the Steph group, and the Trey Butler group. So he's sort of a mid mid option. Uh, so we're both going we're both going Embiid. Can I give you one crazy-ass long shot that I think nobody is talking about and goes against everything I said earlier? Terry, Terry Taylor? That, not, <laughs> the, 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 the voters have not caught on yet to the genius of Terry Taylor. Um, the, uh, if Minnesota, like, if it all worked and they got the top seed or whatever, what kind of MVP equity would Rudy Gobert have at that point? I can't. <laughs> I can't. He'd, he'd have like I think he'd have like oh I might put him fourth or, f- or fifth. No, I'm not being like that's amazing to be fourth or fifth. Like that's what Tatum and Booker were last year. I don't see. I don't see. Yeah. What's he going to average? Fourteen a game? I just don't. Yeah, I, probably something. No like No matter. That. Yeah. And, and and I say okay. that and is like. I believe that he drives winning at a, in the regular season at an incredibly high level, which is why I'm high on the Wolves. Yeah. I thought you were going to say Towns. 
Um, it's put up or shut up time in the playoffs for Carl Towns this year, by the way. Oh, my goodness. It, it, he was so bad in that play-in game. Oh, oh my goodness. It's, 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 yeah, but no, I, I don't, I don't see that. Um, okay, which, what do you want to do next? Sixth man of the year, defensive player of the year, or coach of the year? Let's do coach of the year. Ooh, coach of the year. I mean, this is like, this is almost throwing darts at a wall. Um, there's a million candidates. I think some there, there's the obvious ones. Like if good team X exceeds expectations by 10 wins, it could be Tibbs again. It could be Jamal Mosley. It could be Chauncey Billups. It could be Darvin Ham. It could be a million people. Then there are candidates where it just sort of seems like either it's too fraught, like the Boston situation or, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've like, we've seen the Mike Budenholzer movie before. I don't think he's going to win again. So I'm interested to see, I have an out-of-the-box prediction. I wonder if we have the same one. Okay, so the coach of the year generally goes to the team that wins 15 games more than we thought, which we don't know who that team is coming into the year. But so there there are two angles that I had on coach of the year. First of all, Ty Lue has never won. So if the Clippers finish with the best record in the West, I think there's going to be a lot of support for him to get it. Um, however, the, he's not he's not the person I'm picking to win. He's on my uh, short. I, he's on my short list for sure. Uh, I'm picking Joe Missoula. Wow! I just said the Boston situation is too I, fraud. I, I, I just think if Boston ends up winning 55 games or whatever, he's going to get a lot of credit. And you know, I've, from what I've heard, like I've heard good things about him. There's, there's. I don't think he's going to like screw it up. So, like, yeah, sure. Like he, I think there's a really good chance he could end up winning it. Wow. I mean, I mean, go back and look how often the coach with the best record in the league ends up winning coach of the year. It's pretty, like, there's a pretty good correlation there. There's a pretty good chance Boston has the best record in the league. Does it matter what the Yime Udoka situation is at that point? If Joe Mazzula is, is still the interim head coach or if if that's been resolved one way or another and he's the permanent head or whatever i don't know i don't know the answer to that question it's too it was too fraught for me i put it off my proverbial board <laughs> he joe joe, I, joe Mazzula is a very good coach by the way a very good coach so it's it's in that sense i it's a good pick wow well then my my pick is considerably less dramatic than that <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm going by a hair over uh-huh. Chris Finch in Minnesota, okay. who I think is going to have a, a strong case. Mm-hmm. By a hair over, it hurts me to say this out loud because he's never won. And this there is at some point going to be a, this guy has to win coach of the year, year and maybe it's this year, and that's Eric Spolstra. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Heat always punch above their weight. Haywood Highsmith is I'm probably going to be a freaking all-star this year, the way the Heat go. Jamal Kane. Jamal Kane. Your guy, Jamal Kane. I am going uh, Willie Green in New Orleans Ooh, wins coach okay. of the year. Okay. And yeah. as sort of the Pelican. Whoa, the Pel- how did the Pelicans become the fifth seed kind of thing? And yeah. um, good coach, good, good, you know, well-respected around the league. I'm going, I'm going like Willie that. Green. I like that. I like that. I, th- I think he could definitely win. How about, yes. how about this? Uh, he's won it once, but it was a long time ago in basketball terms anyway. What, will Steve Kerr ever get a look again, or is are the Warriors just sort of considered this self-driving car now that, that you know, given just what just happened 
with Draymond and Poole and the drama. They just won the title. They won without Durant. Like, Durant took everyone there off the board for awards consideration for three yeah. years. Yeah. Is he ever going to get in the conversation again? Because I think Steve Kerr is a legit great coach. He's going to be a Hall of Fame coach, obviously. I think they would have to lap the field for him to win. I, I think you, I think it would have to be like Phoenix last year type of thing. Okay. He's on my he's on my list, but I'm going Willie Green. Can I ask you a Golden State question that I've been tinkering about in my head and talking with people about, and you're a good person to ask? I'm springing it on okay. you. Um, I've been thinking, obviously, a lot about Draymond Green in the past mm-hmm. 10 days or whenever it's been since the punch and yeah. the, the, the leak. Um, I think about Draymond Green a lot anyway. You know, I, you can't help it. He has a podcast. Like, I think about what Draymond Green says a lot, like uh, probably a, an abnormal amount. Um there's a long continuum of Draymond Green opinions. On one end is he is a product of playing with the two greatest shooters of all time and would look pedestrian on another team. And on the other end of the continuum is he is second only to Steph Curry as the driving force of what makes that team what it is and is a legitimate Hall of Famer borderline top 75 guy. Um, where are you along? Obviously, the truth is somewhere in the middle of, all, of those extremes. Where are you personally along that continuum? Um, I'm probably more on the latter part. Uh, I, I think he's a clear Hall of Famer. Uh, top 75 guy is hard. If you, like, if, you, if you look at like the number of really high-level years, he like he doesn't quite stack up to to a lot of the other guys who made that list or even missed that list. But yeah, I mean, prime Draymond defensively is as elite as it gets. And and, and again, I think his to that his to that skill, to that point, he was the runaway defensive player of the year before he got injured last year. Yeah, and his skill as a passer and a shooter, I think, uh, helps offset. Not as a shooter, as a screener, excuse me, offsets some of the issues with him not being a shooter. And, you know, what would it look like if Draymond played in a, in a lineup where there weren't other shooters? Well, you kind of saw it the one year where Clay was out and they got knocked out in the play in, right? Like it, it can get a little clunky if there are also other non shooters playing with Draymond. But that, that said, like, I mean, in terms of defensive value, like, who other than Gobert in the last decade? Who who is there? Yeah, I was I was having this conversation with a couple front office people yesterday, and, and one of them said, sort of facetiously, you know, what's the difference between Draymond Green and Robert Ory? You know, because there's this there has been this sort of like, well, Robert Ory is the seven time champion, secret ingredient to the greatness of these teams. Why is he not in the Hall of Fame? And again, he was the seventh best player on all those teams. Like, this guy, totally this guy was being facetious. Yeah. Um, yeah. Draymond's a four-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, six-time All-Defense, one-time Defensive Player of the Year. He averages seven assists a game regularly. Like that's just stuff that he's the point guard of the Warriors, as much as Steph is almost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's just unusual stuff. He's an unusual player. He does work better as an amplifier of greatness around him than as someone who's going to maybe lift worse players around him. I mean, he's even said he doesn't like to play on or against bad teams. Um, The numbers are interesting. If you look at 
the Warriors' scoring margin when Steph and Clay play without Draymond. It is crazy strong every single season, which I think would lend some. I, I haven't thought enough about why that. I mean, why that is? They're great, and then they have Durant for three of those seasons. So just throw those out yeah. the window. But you know, there is a school of thought that if you went, if you went four out, one in, and the one in was not Draymond. It was just like four perimeter players in Looney, four perimeter players in Wiseman. Like they wouldn't miss a beat offensively despite the lack of playmaking from the four spot. I I, I, I haven't thought enough about that argument. I actually don't buy it because I think he's such a genius playmaker. And then you throw in the defense. Like you said, prime Draymond. Like again, he was defense player there halfway through last season. What he did to Jokic... You can't even get to five guys who can do that to Nikola Jokic in the playoffs, frustrating him in the post, taking the ball away from him. And Jokic did average 30 a game in that series. So I'm closer to the, the, uh, the happy Draymond side of the continuum. But it's something that I'm, I'm going to think about more as we head into what could be the last year of his contract with the Warriors. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate the both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung Smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's macy's.com slash gift finder. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes! Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Let's do defensive player of the year then, since we're on the subject. This is a a, a smaller field than the other awards, I think. Um, but but some interesting discussions to be had. Who's you? Who are you predicting defensive player of the year? Well, I can tell you who won't win it this year. Draymond Green, Marcus Smart. Oh, just because? Uh, it, it, well, tell me why. Why can't? Why, why can't? Why can't I, I, he win I, it again? I just I just think the final showed the the limitations of that award choice. Uh, you know, that, I mean, Robert Williams was a, I thought a much bigger driver of Boston's defensive success. And to choose a perimeter player, defensive player of the year in general, like the, the, the value of bigs defensively is just more. It just is. Uh, so I think that, you know, there's a lot of Gobert fatigue, which I understand. But I, I think he may, if Minnesota is good, like I think people are going to realize again how valuable he is. So he's going to end up with a strong case again. 
so I would probably I would probably install Gobert as the favorite. I would say Bam Adebayo has a really strong case, and he'd probably be the main contender. Robert Williams, because of the knee injury, if, I would presume will not be in the mix this time. Um, Bam and Gobert are by far the Vegas favorites with a, with a small gap between them and Giannis, um, who you haven't mentioned, which is interesting. Um, and then everyone else falls below that. There is, uh, for, I didn't have smart in my top three for defense player of the year last year. I went, I believe my order was, um, there, you do this every year. You forget your actual ballots that yeah. you pour your heart I, and soul I, into. I, I, yeah, I can't remember who I voted for. I went Bam, I despite smart. the games played issue. I went Bam, yeah. Jaron Jackson Jr., Gobert in that order. I actually, I actually, I actually went Jaron number one. Now Jaron's out at the start of this year, so that could that could impact him. But by April, people might have forgotten about it too if he comes back quickly. But the narrative, the narratives are lining up for a Gobert Bam one two in some order if they yeah. stay healthy. Gobert obviously going to a team that needs to be saved from itself defensively and then, you know, fresh start, fresh team, fresh roster, you know, greatest season in Minnesota since KG maybe, blah, blah, blah. And then Bam is sort of, you know, the ultra-modern switchable big. If he can play enough games, if the Heat can remain a top five-ish defense with P.J. Tucker gone and, and remain in the top four of the East despite everyone predicting – you know, some version of falling back for them. The narratives are set up for their Giannis doesn't come up. Like people will say the name Mikhail Bridges before Giannis, Robert Williams, Draymond Green. I don't really get why he's just, I guess Vegas gets it, but I, I he's just incredible. You know, maybe it's a, just sort yeah. of a assumption that he won't go all out in the regular season, but he goes all out like pretty much all the time. Yeah. Yeah, take it for granted probably a little bit. And then you have two other really good defenders on that team uh, with uh, Drew and Brooke Lopez. So I think that diminishes from him a little bit. Um, is it too early to talk about Evan Mobley as a wild card? Nope. I was just about to say my favorite wild card is Evan Mobley. So you take it and run with it. Well, I just think if, if Cleveland is elite defensively with playing two small guards and if they use him as this Garnett-like velociraptor thing at the top of the zone again, that he's going to end up with a really strong case. Obviously, it depends on Cleveland having a really good year themselves. Uh, but You're high on Cleveland. You had, you had Cleveland got, like fourth or fifth, I believe, in the East. I want to say I had them. I had them. You know what? I had Toronto four and Cleveland five. Watching in Toronto in preseason, I think I'm already regretting that a little bit. Um, yeah, I think Cleveland's going to be pretty good. Like there, there's, there's, there are three elite teams in the East to me: Philly, uh, uh, Milwaukee, and Boston. And then Brooklyn could potentially join them. I, I stand Craig. I had Brooklyn fourth. I had Cleveland, Toronto five, six. Um, and then that next group, I think Cleveland could lead that next group. So. What I'm about to say, I realize how stupid it is and that the world does not work like this and there are no such things as hexes and curses and things like that. Everyone, all the NBA sickos are so high on the Raptors that I feel worried now that all of our brains are broken by the way they play or in some way, like we, we've somehow fallen secretly in love with Canada. Um, dinosaurs are cool. Like I ever, like all the sickos are like, 
Toronto 50 wins. Simmons even asked me, could Toronto be the one seed in the East? Hey. Like, I, it, there, I, I haven't, if there has been a sicko who has written or said on a podcast, I think the Raptors are a 500 team, I have not heard it. And so now yeah. I'm worried that all of us are wrong and that the Raptors are actually like a 42 win team and we're somehow blind to I it's it's you have you heard a pessimist on the Raptors everyone is super high on the Raptors uh, yeah it's no it's really true and it's interesting because i mean obviously there are reasons to be high on them especially if Scotty Barnes has a second year jump in him but there there's a chance they're just not that good on offense right and that they sort of covered it up with all the crazy offensive rebounding last year but they like that half court offense, like there's not a ton of shooting and there's not like everybody can get their own shot, but it's not like elite playmaking. And there's not really a main, like Siakam's sort of the main guy, but he's, you know, still plays as mainly like a, just kind of dribble it up and shoot a tough two, you know? So the, the, the Toronto doesn't have shooting thing is so interesting because it, it feels that way. And conceptually, that that can be true, but just play it out with me. Van Vliet's a good shooter. Yep. Barnes is not yet from any from outside mm-hmm. eighteen feet anyway. Siakam is like wildly up and down, and they're they're internally optimistic that that's going up. Trent is a good shooter. Yep. Anunoby is a good shooter. If yeah, Anunoby is like a high thirties three point shooter. Right? Am I wrong about? I, I mean, I have to look it I up. I mean, he just says like, I feel like all of his three pointers are open shots from the that corner, noise. Right? That like you're noise. Not, you're, you're not. That noise you just made is the noise everyone in my life makes when I begin talking about OG Ananobi because I am. I I just <laughs> I'm unreasonably optimistic, and everyone is like, ah. so even even like my wife at this point is like. Ah. OG and an OB, are you sure? Are you sure? Um, and then Achua, I'm buying Achua as 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 like yeah, I don't know which of those six, which five are going to start, but I'm buying Achua mm-hmm. as a stretch center. And then you look at it like you squint hard enough, and you're like, is this really that bad of a shooting team? I don't even know. But now I'm worried that we've all cursed the Raptors, and they're just not going to be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't make a defensive player of the year pick. I guess I I guess I should have to make one, right? Yeah, I guess I'm just gonna pick. We all, everyone votes for Gobert again. I guess I'll just, I'll just pick Gobert. I voted for Bam last I, year. I wanted. I thought after all this buildup, you were gonna pick OG Edenobi. Well, you know he was my MVP dark horse. I just forgot. Forgot, <laughs> forgot to mention him. I guess with Time Lord hurt and Jaron Jackson hurt and Draymond punching people and that whole thing happening, I guess I'll just say Gobert. Can tell my level of excitement for that. For that <laughs> right. Uh, sixth, sixth man of the year. Bizarre that when are when is Vegas going to drop the odds on Tyler Hero, who's still like number two in sixth man of the year? Even though, like, I guess the Heat haven't said formally that he's starting, but he's going to start, I think. And he's still like they could. He's still like the second favorite. They could change their mind too. You know, they could get ten games in the season, and be like, you know what, this isn't working. Hard to win six man of the year in that scenario, but maybe. Um, who's your six man of the year pick? Jordan Poole. Yeah, I really. It, he's he's the odds on favorite by far. He's yeah. going to score a lot of points. He's I I think he's a really underrated passer. I think he's a smart passer, both on the pick and roll and kind of like 
in the muck of just random touch passing ball movement sequences. I, I'm going to, you know what? I'm not picking Jordan Poole. Okay. I, I already regret this. Okay. I'm picking Christian Wood. Wow. Okay. Okay. I just think Dallas is going to be good. Their floor mm-hmm. is good. Even if they're in the play and they're going to be good. He'll put up numbers. He's going to put up numbers. He's going to be a part of their closing lineup on a lot of nights mm-hmm. as either their stretch five or yeah. with Kleba or whatever. I, yeah. I think he's he could he could average twenty off the bench. Hero just yeah. averaged twenty. I, I'm picking Christian Wood. What? What? Why? Why not Christian Wood? Why not John? Tell me. Uh, minutes. Uh, just if it, if his defense gets his minute squeezed, defense is a six man of the year consideration. When has that it, ever been? When has that ever counted no, for six man it, of the you, year? You know why it counts? Because it will limit his minutes, which will limit his points per game. Which, as we all know, is the only stat six man of the year voters. Care now about. you are talking to someone who um, I care about defense, and I care about defense in six man of the year voting. And I have said and written many times, it is a crime against basketball and all that it stands for that Andre Iguodala never won six man of the year during his Warriors height and lost it to all these gunners who Mm -hmm. can't be on the floor at the end of playoff games because of their defense. But Andre only averages eight points a game, blah, blah, blah. Crime. It's a crime, Hollinger. And if you didn't vote for him once, I, I should have looked up your voting record to make sure. I was I was working in the Grizzlies front office, so I'm pretty sure I never voted for him. Oh yeah, um, that's right. But the uh, the speaking of points per game and six man, can we talk about the dark horse? Okay. The guy who the guy who's probably gonna have the highest scoring average among guys who come off the bench. I'm very excited for who this Colin is. Colin Sexton. Oh my god. He's gonna have so many fifteen point fourth quarters at the end of. 125 108 blowouts he's gonna end up averaging like 24 points on decent efficiency honestly that's right now and he will make and he will make no impact on winning whatsoever i like colin section he's a per- perfect perfect six i'm a colin section believer i i've never seen a 24 points per game on efficient shooting season sneezed at and dismissed with the level of disrespect that his season from two years ago is dismissed I will say this is the first moment that I've thought about the Utah Jazz in like uh-huh. six days since I put them 30th in the league pass rankings and made so much fun of their horrible new uniforms that it was communicated to me that I should be careful venturing to Utah for All-Star or any other trip, to which I say, I'm sorry to be the 950th media person to tell you that your uniforms suck. And like, if that hurts your feelings, then... Get 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 thicker skin or just get new uniforms because they're bad. Mike Mike Conley, probably the most fashion conscious player we ever had, being forced to wear the ugliest uniforms that we've seen in the NBA Look, in like two decades. It's just it just kills me. What is Mike Conley gonna do when on the fifteenth possession of a game he brings it up for the fifteenth straight time, passes it to Colin Sexton, Taylor Horton Tucker, Jordan Clarkson, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Lowry Markinen? And never, ever sniffs the basketball again on the entire... Is he just going to just walk back on defense weeping until he... I, I just feel... I just We got to get Mike Conley out of there. We just have to. He cannot play on that team this whole year. Hashtag free Mike. I'm going Christian Wood unapologetically. Now, I, I told you about this before. 
We were going to do a segment on NBA today, and we scrapped it. Uh, most important bench player of the year, not six man of the year award winner. Sep- unless you think it's the same person, okay. we were. But but most important bench player of the year, and I had an instant, no doubt answer. A, a person I don't think is going to win six man of the year, but I think if you're talking about importance to the championship equity race, is my most important bench player. Did you have an answer to this, or did you want me to go? I could think of two answers, but I'm interested in what your answer is. Norman Powell. I just think interesting. I think okay. all the and this is going to lead us into finals picks, which is the last thing. I think all the Clippers analysis has been, oh my God, they're so deep in wings around Kawhi and PG. Look how they can go five out, and then here's the list of all the wings, as if they're all like functionally equivalent players in terms of skill and talent. Covington, Batum, Morris, who's more of a four, but go with me. Man, Kennard, people I already just forgot. Um, and I stop at Powell every time because that guy has averaged like 17, 18 a game in the NBA on high 30s, almost 40% three-point shooting and yeah. has the downhill gear that the Clippers so sorely need around two guys who are kind of just sort of liquidy, shake-and-bake, mid-range guys in Kawhi and PG, that I just think if he's the player that he has been at his best, he's going to be such an important element to their team. I understand he's not what Covington and Batum and Mann are defensively, rebounding-wise, all that. I just think what he brings to their offense could be so powerful that he will and should be a big part of their closing lineups when they go five out, a big part of their team. I know they've thought about starting him. They're not going to. Um, he's my no-brainer answer for that. Was he one of your two? He actually was not, but you you got to a really interesting point. The Clippers kind of don't have a third-best player offensively, and I think they need one. And Powell and John Wall are their two best chances for that guy. And I think probably Powell is the better chance. Uh, so I, I do think he's a really important player. I was actually going to say a different Clipper. I was going to say Covington. Interesting. I was going to say Covington because he has to play five in fourth quarters for them. Like the way they're set up, he is, he is their, he is their five in crunch time in a playoff game. No doubt about it. And like that has to work basically. And that's the one thing where you look at them and wonder and kind of go, yeah, I don't, you know, is that, is that really going to be a thing? Now, Covington, to his credit, yeah. do you realize he was seventh in the NBA in block rate last year? Crazy. He's a crazy yeah. rim protector like, for he, his size. He, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so may, maybe he pulls this off. Um, but I, I think I think he's a really, really vital bench player. And then the the other guy I sort of thought of, I actually, he, he might end up starting, though. Um, uh, but uh, President Brogdon in, uh, in Boston. UVA. I knew your yeah. UVA has finally yeah. come up. Mm-hmm. You got Brogdon and Hauser on the same team. I mean that the IQ has to be off the charts. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine how much the other guys learn every day? Oh my god! Just being around them. Oh my god! You know that I have a visceral distaste for the University of Virginia. Oh, and I, I am just, I am just going straight for that wound and just poking. Yeah, it's at a wound. It. It's a wound that's healed a long time ago, but it, it never. Some wounds never really heal. Some grudges. <laughs> I will hold some grudges. Sports, it's better that we don't talk about it anymore. Um, 
Yeah, Brogdon's an obvious choice. I think it's instructive that both of us, though, um, picked a clipper as part of this discussion because, and that brings us to our finals picks. Um, yes. I, I think the clippers issue, as you wrote very, uh, very eloquently about, is we're all in love with their depth. They're two stars plus depth. And we have seen two star plus depth models win make the finals, win the finals, whether it's, you know, we can go through the whole litany of teams in recent NBA history. Now, the two stars have to be really, really good. They have to generally be top 10, 12-ish players at minimum. Is PG going to be there this year? We'll see. Kawhi healthy is. Um, But the depth is, like, just as an example, Boston's probably a big two plus well-fitting good player depth around them. And I think the skepticism you raise about the Clippers is, do they have anyone on that team beyond the two guys who's as good as Marcus Smart or Robert Williams or Mikhail Bridges or DeAndre Ayton or just name the third and fourth best guys on teams that have gotten really – Andrew Wiggins and Clay Thompson. Aaron Gordon. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Right? Yeah. I mean, seriously. Um, And and so I think it's instructive that both of us have picked Clippers – for that most important bench player because there is that sort of like they need someone to be that good. They probably need multiple someones to be that good. With that said, I know who you've picked in the East because I read the preview. I forgot who you picked in the West until you reminded me, but please reveal for your readers, listeners, your NBA Finals pick. I have the Philadelphia 76ers defeating the Golden State Warriors in the NBA Finals. That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, we'll we'll see if it's a good one. I mean, <laughs> but right, CC old takes exposed. I am, uh, I am. But, st- okay, so def- I guess to go. So you are. So, so just, I just want to be clear on this. Your vision. You're closing your eyes and seeing mm-hmm. James Harden, mm-hmm. fourth quarter, mm-hmm. game seven of the finals. Mm-hmm. I'm red. Doc Rivers draws something up and. More I, look, and, I think the Sixers are gonna are, are gonna be awesome. I think they mm-hmm. they were in my inner circle. I had six teams in my yeah. inner circle of championship contenders. They were one of the six, so by default, I clearly think they can win. But yeah. there are six in that tier for me, and okay. I just can't trust them. I can't trust them enough to pick them to win the East. Make the case. Uh, I think the. What surrounds Harden and Embiid is a lot stronger and better fitting after the moves they made this offseason. Um, I I think uh, like I think Melton's going to help him a lot. I think Harden's going to be better this year than he was last year. So I'm I'm putting a little bit of, of faith in that. I think Maxi will be better. I think getting PJ Tucker just helps the way they can match up so much, and getting Daniel House too. Like they have real wings now. You know that they can put in games. They can play PJ Tucker at five if they want to. Um, you know they have they have a, another year from kind of this youth contingent with you know Milton and Tybal and Reed, and maybe none of them are amazing, but that like they're gonna they're gonna get stuff from their bench this year. I think more more than a year ago. Uh, hopefully they won't play five man bench units in the in the playoffs, but still. Um, I also like how they match up against Milwaukee in a series, and I like how they match up against Boston. Uh, so what do you like? What I, do you like about the Milwaukee matchup for them? 
I think they could put I think they could put Tucker on Giannis. Um, and I think for Milwaukee, it's hard for them to play Giannis at five uh, and put him on Embiid. So I, I, I think I think from that perspective, Philadelphia can maybe do some things against Milwaukee that that a lot of teams can't. Um, and then against against Boston, I I worry a little about their guards defensively, but I I also think like having having Tucker having Kybel like they have guys they can put on Tatum and Brown and and survive. And then Boston might be a little small against Embiid now, depending on what's going on with Robert Williams. So I I just like those two matchups in a playoff series. Uh, maybe maybe it all end up being hilariously wrong, but it's it's a good pick. I mean, like I said, they were both the teams you picked in the finals are in my inner circle of six contenders. Despite the fact that isn't it is it curious to you as a, as a, as an analytics cent, as a central figure in NBA analytics, how low the projections are for the Warriors in terms of just win total, and it's not just Pelton's. Pelton had them at forty two wins. My 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 own numbers. I was like, what. What? And, and I've heard the same thing from teams who have sophisticated models internally. Yeah. Like they have told me, beware Golden State's predictions are really low and we're trying to figure out why. And the answer tends to be, you know, age-related decline for the people around Steph and just so many young guys with no to bad track records now playing big minutes. Yeah. I don't buy it. But the number of projections, including yours, I guess, that are saying this yeah. are piling up. Yeah. And, yet, and yet you're picking them to win the final, to make the finals. Yeah, I mean, I put my thumb on the scale. Um, but the, a lot of those models don't like clay. Um, so I, I think that's a big part of it, too. How can it? any uh, those, those models stink, then. <laughs> clay is amazing. And also, just you just have to – clay – needs to get just five bonus points for living life the right way and being Clay Thompson. <laughs> uh, my finals pick right now, I, I, okay. I'm picking Milwaukee to win the championship. Okay. Despite some concerns about their depth here and there. I, th- I think they're they're like a little slept on right now, I think. Oh, Dave. I've been I've yeah. been picking them. They I've been saying it for three months. They're my championship pick. I just think Giannis is coming to destroy everybody this year. Um I'm picking Milwaukee to win the title. And right now, my finals prediction is going to be Milwaukee Clippers. I really want to go Milwaukee Nuggets. I just, Mm -hmm. I got to see it with Porter first and see how they're going to shake out their depth and and see kind of defensively how they're going to figure it out. I'm I'm still worried they're going to cheap out at the trade deadline too. And I really, I... Warriors was are the, that's the other team that I, I was I was clear I was Bucks Warriors here and there over the last month. The punch makes me a little nervous. The projections have made me a little nervous. The sheer difficulty of making the finals multiple years in a row makes me a little nervous. So yeah, absolutely. I, I'm going Clippers despite what we just said about their players three to twelve being both appealing yep. in depth and not that appealing in high end talent. I'm going Clippers because I think one of those guys pops enough. And as you wrote, they they have a trade in them. If they, it might not be a big one, but they have the ability to tweak the roster one way or another. They have a pick to trade. They have a bunch of fungible salary. I don't know who that player would be, but right now I'm going Bucks over Clippers in the finals. Okay. All right. Now the other, so we we each said two teams, and we said two different teams. The other two teams in your inner circle to like win a championship, I'm guessing, are Boston and Brooklyn. Is that correct? Boston and Denver. 
Um, Brooke, oh, Brooklyn okay. does not gain entry into the inner, inner circle <laughs> until until uh, as much as until they prove otherwise. They are in I, they are in their okay. own circle of hell uh-huh. somewhere. Right. And okay, I mean, I think you had them forty nine wins. Did you have them forty nine? Yeah, wins? yeah, I had them forty nine wins in the fourth seed. Yeah, that seems yeah. right to me. Like I get yeah. the championship upside. I I get it. Like we all get it. Yeah. It's it's Kevin Durant, one of the ten to twelve greatest players of all time at worst, with shooting, talent, two other all star, all NBA level players in theory who fit needs. I like we all get it. We also have all lived the last two years of life. Like I've I've lived it. Like I have I I've played almost as much NBA basketball in the last calendar year as Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons. Like not that far away. Me. Me. <laughs> And I can't guard anyone. Um, and and just the defense question of if Simmons and Claxton can't play together, they've had little snippets in yeah. the regular season of, ooh, maybe they can. I, I don't know how you get a defense that's better than average out of this group, but maybe maybe they can. I just I, – 49 wins feels like the right just sort of throw it right down the middle and and mm-hmm. see what the hell happens because it could be a disaster. It could be 55 wins. I, I – I got no idea, but they can't be. They can't be in my inner circle. You, you, yeah, I, I mean, I had I had other teams that I picked to win more games. So I uh, that, that's interesting. That you have Denver in the inner circle too, because I just like defensively in the playoffs. I just think there's too many questions about them. I just know what I saw, and you as a you as a smart person will laugh at how small the sample size is. What I saw when Murray Porter Jokic and Gordon were all on the floor together before Murray tore his ACL was like, oh my God, level Mm -hmm. good. And KCP is a perfect fifth starter for them. Bruce Brown is a perfect sort of sixth starter, I guess, in a way. I I like that pickup a lot. Uh, And, you know, look, the depth after that, I think is every team's got depth questions after that when you start talking about how they fare against the best teams. But between – you know Jeff Green and Bones Highland, and they they're high on the Brown kid, uh, the Christian Brown and Zeke Naji, and I, I just think they'll have some answers. But you know we'll see. Could I could be unreasonably high on the Nuggets for sure. Mr. Hollinger, it's always a pleasure to see you. Have, you, have all thirty of your previews come out yet? The, yeah, the last ones came out today. So these previews are just if you want a primer on the NBA season. Get a cup of coffee or a beer tonight. A cup of coffee today, beer tonight. Sit in front of your laptop and read John Hollinger's 30 team previews. They, they will get you ready for every angle of every team, and they're not super long. Uh, just tremendous stuff. John, it's good to see you. I will see you somewhere down the NBA line. Where's your first trip? Do you know, Can you reveal where your first trip is going to be, like opening week or two of the season? Where are you going to be? Yeah, I mean, so I actually I went to see Victor Wimbanyana last week, so that was my first, oh, my, my God. Uh, first trip. Uh, so you're going to, you're going to I, France soon, I guess? <laughs> no, unfortunately, no. I, Brad Turner has those trips on lockdown. I think. Uh, no, I, I, um, uh, I'm gonna go uh, to uh, L.A. in like two weeks. Uh, Staples, you know, there's a bunch of games in a row, um, so I'll be doing that. Uh, and I'll be, uh, I'll be going to the, uh, the. No, I think my first game is the uh, Seattle Beef Bowl. Uh, ben Carroll versus Dejounte Murray here. Oh, that's exciting! There you go. I <laughs> forgot about that. All right, John Hollinger, yeah. read his stuff at the Athletic. Listen to him on Hollinger Duncan uh, podcast with Nate Duncan. It's great to see you, buddy. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Zach.